Half of you do and the other half don't. Well, I happen to think that y'all are good looking, amen? Wow, glad to see you. Dr. Jimmy Allen, pastor of the First Baptist Church in San Antonio, Texas, said our chance came to change things it came and it passed and we didn't even know it was there. A dark-skinned little boy sat in our Sunday school classes for three years, but somebody missed him. His name was Sirhan Sirhan. And at 24 years old, he shot and killed the brother of President John F. Kennedy, Senator Robert Kennedy. Through all the pain and through all the grief that our nation suffered, one persistent thought kept coming to my mind. Somebody missed him. Every day that you and I live on this earth, we are provided opportunities to change lives. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Just one word. Just one prayer. Just one good deed. Perhaps just one time of telling your testimony can change the course of this planet and change somebody's eternity. Daily. Daily we are granted opportunities to share joy with somebody. Perhaps provide a little stability in a family situation. Or maybe even share the good news of Jesus with a lost soul. Yet day after day, golden opportunities pass us by and they slip into oblivion. Today, Jesus speaks to us about seizing the opportunities that God gives us. Seizing opportunities that are before us. The greatest of which is this privilege of working with Jesus, building the kingdom of heaven. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. I'd like to share just a few short verses in a narrative about what Jesus was doing. In verse 35 of Matthew chapter 9, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion for them. 
because they were weary and scattered like a sheep with no shepherd. Then Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know, this book is filled with deep meaning and great blessing. But if you're a reader of this Bible, I think you would agree that some passages in this Bible can be very disturbing. For instance, in Psalm 142, verse 4, the Bible says, No one cares for my soul. Does that bother you? No one cares for my soul. I believe there are untold billions of people in this world that no one cares about. Millions of people live in this world and they ain't got a soul to pray for them. Millions live in this world and they ain't got nobody to tell them about Jesus. Millions live in this world and they got nobody to live as a Christian example in front of them. It appears that nobody cares. And many Christians who are saved, they are heaven bound. They've been hell proofed. But they don't care. They don't care about lost souls. How opposite is that of the Lord Jesus we are called to imitate? Jesus' passion for lost people is what brought him from heaven to earth. And I want you to know his passion for lost people drove his every waking activity. It was this passion for the souls of people that propelled him to a rugged cross where he gave his life for lost sinners. Jesus seized every single opportunity that was presented before him that he might spare a person from an eternity separated from God. In that passage, passage I just shared with you, Jesus is looking out upon thousands, multitudes, the Bible says, thousands of hopeless, helpless, hurting people. And he teaches you and I some real important truths about the kingdom of heaven. The first of which is, Jesus wants you to know that you should have a passion for the harvest. Do you know that people who haven't trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior don't belong to the family of God? 
I didn't say it. The scriptures say it. Do you know that if they haven't trusted Jesus as Savior, they don't receive the benefit of God's guidance? If they haven't trusted in the Son, they don't have the protection of God. Ephesians 2.12, the Bible says that unbelievers are living apart from Christ. So being lost is kind of like living in a Motel 6 all your life. Can you imagine? Anybody else ever been in a Motel 6? Scary. They don't have the comfort of being home with God. They don't have that rest. No, they ain't going to be a roach crawling over their tongue. They don't have the comfort and rest of knowing their home with a as a child of God. They're excluded from the people of God because they're living apart from Christ. They don't know the promises of God because they don't belong to God. Therefore, they live day after day, hour after hour, without God and without hope. What a tragedy. No God, no hope. Can you imagine what that would be like? See, our world has departed from God if you didn't know it. As a whole, this world has departed from God. But praise Jesus, this world can be reconciled if we who know the good news share it. God is so concerned about every lost sinner. How do you know that, Brother Bill? Well, listen to this parable that the Lord shared. The Lord spoke this parable to his disciples, and he said, What man of you, if you had a hundred sheep and you lost one, wouldn't leave the other ninety-nine to go into the wilderness and go after that one that's lost until you found it? And when you found it, you would lay it on your shoulder rejoicing. And when you came home, you would call together all of your friends. And you would say to them, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. What value that one sheep had. I say to you likewise, the Lord Jesus said, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. One sinner. If you could do something in your life, if you could seize one opportunity to bring one sinner to God, oh, friend, the joy that would ring out in heaven when Corey McConnell came to the Lord Jesus. Joy rang out in heaven. And those who prayed for him shared in that eternal joy. And not only will his or her life be changed, but I want to tell you this, so will yours.
Friends, people who aren't saved have a great distance from God. But they also have a great depravity in sin. Do you, do you see that depravity? Do you see the sin that they're living in? The King James Version says that the multitudes fainted. Now that doesn't mean that they passed out like I do when I get my blood drunk. It doesn't mean that they passed out. It means that they were, God was moved to compassion because they were faint-hearted. They were, he was moved to compassion because they were tired, they were weary, they were exhausted and weak under this heavy burden of sin. Do you remember back in the Psalms when God was chastening David? In Psalm 38, verse 4, David wrote, For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. I envision that's exactly what these people felt like. Trying to carry a burden they could not carry. Jesus knew what the burden of sin was. He knew what it felt like. And he knew that, that burden was too heavy for them to carry. See, friend, this, the sin that I'm talking about, it's right in our face every day. Day in and day out, we're confronted with this sin issue. It doesn't take long. You turn on your computer and you go to your homepage. And your, your news broadcast there on your computer tells you about all the sin in this world. I mean, think about the depravity of man that would kill another. That would kill a child. I mean, think about the rapes and the thefts and the adultery and the abuse and the lie after lie after lie. Oh, the depravity of man is serious. We are surrounded by men and women who are capable of absolutely anything you could imagine. It is amazing what people do. It is amazing the depravity of man. But the bottom line is this. Compassionate servants of the Savior become instruments. They become tools. They become channels. They become uh, conduits, if you will, by which God frees people from their sins. Jesus says to you, do you see their distance from God? Jesus says to you, do you see their depravity in their sin? But Jesus also asks you, do you see their destiny? Do you see their destiny? You see, Jesus could see the end, and he could see the very beginning. He could see the end from the beginning. He knew what their destiny was. Jesus knew that apart from him, every one of those people he was looking out and seeing was going to end up in hell. Imagine how the Lord Jesus must have been tormented to his very fiber of his being as he looked out over thousands of people who were destined to spend their eternity separated from him. Can I tell you today, 
that Jesus doesn't want anybody to be separated from him for all eternity. He doesn't want anybody to go through the horrors of separation from God. And you and I need that same vision. We just got to care a little bit. We've got, like Jesus did, we've got to see their destiny without Jesus. Just listen to what God once said to the prophet Ezekiel. God said to him, When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you, sure, you surely shall die. But you, Ezekiel, do not speak to warn that wicked man from his way. That wicked man's going to die, all right. But his blood I will require at your hand. Does that speak to you like it spoke to me? I tell you, because we know the way, everyone in this room is going to be held accountable for the opportunities we squander to share the good news of Jesus. Jesus asks us, can you see their distance from God? Can you see their depravity and sin? Can you see their destiny? But he also asks us, do you see their despair? They are without a shepherd. These people don't have the blessings of a relationship with God. Imagine what it would be like to have no one to pray to. What would it be like if you had no companionship, no peace, no rest? What would it be like for you if you had no abundant life, if you had no protection, if you had no satisfaction in this life? What would it be like for you? Picture that, and that's what lost people have. No relationship. They're without a shepherd. Do you see their distance from God? Do you see their depravity and sin? The same sin that you once were in. Do you see their destiny? Do you see their despair? Friends, our hearts ought to be broken for people like that. And Jesus teaches us that we ought to have a passion. A passion for people who aren't in a relationship with God. A passion. But Jesus also says that we ought to pray for the harvest. That we ought to, to pray. You see, the problem is very critical. Look again in verse 37. Jesus said to his disciples, Good news, the harvest is truly plentiful. But there's bad news. The laborers are few. 
The problem is crucial. How encouraging to hear that the harvest is plentiful. It's plenty out there. That's good news. There's still time. But don't wait. Be sure to seize the day. And while it's encouraging to hear that the harvest truly is plentiful, how disturbing to hear that the laborers are few. The born again, saved, living under the protective umbrella of God, his own children refuse to labor for his glory. Why is it, friend, that so few Christians fail to believe God's word? You may say, Brother Bill, I believe God's word. I'm so glad you do. But let me ask you this. If that's so, if you believe this book, does your belief have legs? Does your belief have legs that go out and visit? Does your belief have hands that go out and minister and help people? Does your belief have a voice that tells lost, dying people where they're going without a relationship with God? Are you fleshing out the Word of God? Are you obeying God's word that commands you to tell other people? Don't just be worried about your own hide. You need to be worried about other people too. That's one thing I know and love about Jesus. He was so others-centered. The laborers are few. Listen to me, church. Are you one of the few? Are you one of the few? Because the problem is critical. And because the problem is critical, our prayers are crucial. Look in verse 38. The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, here's his remedy. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You see, with prayer, we can be in touch with the throne of God. Is that amazing? That through prayer, I can come before the throne of Almighty God in heaven? Does it overwhelm anybody else in this room that we can do that? We can be in touch with the throne of God. How important for the saints of God to be in touch with the heart of God. We need to be children, kids after God's own heart. Amen? But not only can we be in touch with the throne of God, with prayer, we can be in tune with the will of God. How important is that? God has a will for our life. Are you in tune with that will? Our prayers are crucial because the problem is critical. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We need a passion for the harvest. 
We need a passion for the harvest that leads us to pray for the harvest. But pray for what? What are we to pray for? Jesus told you right there in verse 38. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. To send out laborers. We should be participating in the harvest. Not only having a passion for it, not only praying for it, we've got to be participating in it. See, Jesus wants you to have just a little vision. He wants you to have just a little vision for you to see the need. That's the problem with most Christians. We don't see the need. Hey, man, I got my backside covered. I've got my fire insurance. I don't see the need. In John 4, 35, as Jesus tells this story in the Gospel of John, he says, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are already white for harvest. So what I want you to do today is I want you to lift up your eyes and see what Jesus sees. Lift up your eyes and see what Jesus sees. Look at the harvest fields. Look at the harvest fields in your home. Look at the harvest fields within your family. Look at the harvest fields at Walmart. Look at the harvest fields in your neighborhood. Look at the harvest fields with, within your friends. Look. We need to be able to have a little vision to see the need. You know, I don't think this is any truer than when it comes to the harvest. But not only does Jesus want us to see the need, he also wants us to volunteer to fill the need. Don't just see it. How about doing something about it? Don't just see the need, do something to fill the need. At the entrance to a Ford automotive plant, there was a sign that read, if you are like a wheelbarrow going no further than you are pushed, you need not apply here. You see, the children of God doing the work of God in the house of God for the sake of God, need to have a little bit of personal initiative. We need to have a little gumption, a little get up and go of our own. We need to be able to say, I've got a little zeal for the work of God. Because I've seen the need, and I want to do what I must to fill the need. Friend, there are so many needs around us. There's needs in the church. There are needs outside the walls of this church. So many needs. In fact, the need always seems greater than the workforce. I bet if you ask Kathy Cates, the director of our Grow Ministry, I bet you she could tell you what we could do if we had the workforce. 
the needs are far greater than the workers. So are you willing to take a stand? Take a stand and volunteer your time, your efforts, your abilities just to show off your love for Jesus a little bit. Listen to another verse that God spoke to Ezekiel. God said to him, Boy, I saw a man among my people who would make a wall and stand in the gap for me. To make a wall and stand in the gap for me before the land so that I wouldn't destroy it. But I found no one. But I found no one. The fields are white. The fields are white for harvest. Would you be willing to say... Yes, Lord, I'm willing to serve my king. You see, Jesus sent his disciples, but he also sends you and I. And you know what he sends you out there to do? He sends you out there to go and make a difference. Go and make a difference, not just for today. How about trying to make a difference for all eternity? And in doing so, he places three responsibilities squarely on your shoulders. He says, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to visualize. I want you to see the harvest. I want you to recognize that not everybody out there has got the hope of heaven like you do. Visualize that. And then go and attack hell. Praying. Saying, I'll go. I'll surrender my life for the glory of God. I visualize the harvest. Friend, it's just waiting to be harvested. But here's the key. If you're listening, say amen. We will never reap anything unless we enter the field. You will never reap a single corn cob unless you go in the field and get it. Such is the kingdom of heaven. Visualize. See the harvest. Second, agonize. See the harvest, therefore pray. You know what I'm asking you to do today? I'm asking you just to be a little bit broken for people who don't got it like you got it. Pray, agonize, be brokenhearted, be burdened a little bit, won't you? For people who don't have the hope of heaven like you do. Be burdened. You see, friend, it's not enough to see the need. It's not even enough to, to feel the need or to pray for the need. You've got to get to busy. We've got to get busy. Each one of us must do the work of an evangelist. And that's what's so awesome about this Grow Outreach ministry. Everything we do has the focus of outreach. If you're preparing the outside of this campus, you're making it more visitor-friendly. 
somebody might just be more prone to come because of what you've done to make this place look better. You write Uncle Joe Bob a get well card because he's in the hospital. Ain't nobody ever spoke to Joe Bob about Jesus in his life. And you tell him, Joe Bob, we're praying for you in Jesus' name. And that one card might make the difference in his eternity. A prayer, a visit. Friends, on these visits, we won't throw you to the wolves. You will always go with somebody who's very um, used to going out on visits. You can go with me, go with Kathy, go with Francis, go with Joan, go with Harold, go with Hal, go with Chad. I mean, we don't just throw you out there. You go with us. And it's so fun. Anybody that's ever gone out will tell you it's a blast. Going and loving on people, man, ain't nothing more fun than that. Going and loving on people. Who knows when God might use that one visit to change that person's eternity. Visualize, agonize, evangelize. I want to read a letter to you. It was from this guy's friend, so he thought. And he wrote, My friend, I stand in judgment now, and I feel that you're to blame somehow. While here I walked with you each day, but never did you point the way. You knew the Lord in truth and glory, but never did you tell me the story. My, my, my knowledge then was very dim. You could have led me safe to him, and though we lived together here on earth, not once did you tell me of your second birth. And now I stand this day condemned because you failed to mention him. You taught me things, that's true. I called your friend and I trusted you. But I've learned that now is much too late. And you could have kept me from this fate. We walked by day and we talked by night. But never did you show me the light. You let me live and love and die. But you knew I'd never live on high. I called you friend in life. I trusted you in joy and strife. Yet, in coming to this end... I see that really you weren't my friend. What are you doing to keep men and women and young people from the wrath of a righteous God? Are you having any success? We all have good intentions. Yes, I'm going to start doing that. But you know what happens after a couple weeks. You forget about that message that Brother Bill spoke. And you get right back into business as usual. So what do we do? We say, well, we're going to 
we're going to do a grow outreach ministry where we kind of hold each other accountable. I'm expecting you and you're expecting me. And we go out and we visualize and we stay here and we agonize and we go visit and evangelize. And for the course of nine months, just through daylight savings time, because nobody likes visitors after dark, do we? So we just do it during daylight savings time. We provide opportunities. Opportunities for you to be obedient. Opportunities for a lost person to come to Jesus. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit or righteous is the tree of life, and he that wins souls is wise. See, God's plan is that we all share His truth with a dying planet. And that's what's happening. Our planet is dying. And it's the greatest job you could ever imagine to go out and share God's truth with lost people. If you could reach but one. If your card would reach just one lost person, you may have altered eternity for that person. If by picking up some sticks out in the, in the field over there, somebody says, man, that's a good-looking facility. I think I'm going to give that a try. And they come and they hear the good news of Jesus Christ. You may have altered eternity for that person. So today is an opportunity. An opportunity for you to seize that if you don't know Jesus, you can. You can be born again today. The scriptures tell us that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be. Hallelujah. And we'll teach you how to live, that, live out a saved life. So is God leading you to surrender your life today? You're going to have an opportunity to make that decision public. But you know what? Perhaps you need to come before the Lord and admit, you know what? I just have not been faithful in this command to talk about Jesus with other people. You know who's going to be the first one to raise his hand? Well, you're a preacher. You should be doing it all the time. That's right. But I'm no different than you. We should all be sharing faithfully. Perhaps there's somebody on your heart. Maybe there's a Corey McConnell that you know. And the only reason that person hasn't come to, come to the Lord Jesus is because people hadn't been praying for him. Maybe you need to come and take that lead weight off of your chest and place that burden at the foot of the cross today. Time is short. Brother Chad's been teaching a Sunday school series that reminds us week in and week out that Jesus is coming again. And we know not whence the time. As I look at it, it seems like time might be short. But one thing I do know is that laborers are few. And the harvest is ready. The harvest is a bunch of it out there. Jesus has done his part. Agreed? 
Now it's time for us to do ours. God is not asking you to do it all. He's just asking you to do your part. Won't you seize this opportunity? During this decision time, we're going to ask everyone, who? Who? I want to make sure I understood myself. We're going to ask everyone to fill out a commitment card. We need updated addresses anyway. And we want you to fill out that card and answer three simple questions. Yes, I commit to grow. One hour a month for nine months. I, I, I'm giving the Lord nine hours this year. One hour a month. Yeah, I'll do that. Second question. If it's yes, I prefer the first Tuesday or the second, or the third Tuesday. The G team or the O team? Some of you come every time that, that we go out. Every time that we have this ministry, you go out. There's a place for you to check there. Tuesdays may not work for me, Brother Bill. Contact me to serve another day. Kathy will be in touch. Maybe you can make some calls from home. Maybe you can make some visits on another day. Third question. We only want you to do what you're comfortable doing. Maybe it's making visits with somebody else. We always go in groups of three. Maybe you'd like to write cards. Maybe make calls. Maybe work on the church grounds. Maybe pray. Maybe redecorate a little bit. Maybe hang pictures, do bulletin boards. You tell us what you'd like to do. Because everybody can participate. And when you fill that out during this decision time, I want you to come and I want you to place your commitment card in this plate. And what's interesting is you'll be placing it in the middle of the crown of thorns as a symbol that you're willing to sacrifice a little because Jesus sacrificed a lot. I'm not asking you for one minute more than one hour a month. Six o'clock to seven o'clock, and we're done. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to seize. So I pray that God has spoken to you to visualize, agonize, and be willing to evangelize. So you fill out that card, and during this song, I'm just going to ask everybody to come and just place your commitment card before the cross. We'll take care of the rest. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you so much for this privilege, and it is an absolute privilege to be involved in the building of the kingdom of heaven. Lord, why you would want to use a wretch like me is beyond my understanding. But you have made a determined choice to use the children you've saved to build your kingdom. And for that, we are grateful. Lord, it doesn't take much news watching 
It doesn't take much newspaper reading or magazine reading. It doesn't take much living of this life to see that the harvest is plentiful. I pray that we would be one of the few, one of the few laborers dedicated and devoted to being obedient to your command. Lord, have your will and your way in every person's life today that's in this room. And Lord, for that one that never has surrendered his or her life to Christ, Lord, I pray they would know that they don't, that they are not, there's no desire that, that they spend eternity separated from God. That God wants everybody to be saved. That Jesus died for everybody. If they would only 